children. I read a trail notes this week and, uh, and just re- relating to that question I asked you about who wants breakthrough. I just am more and more aware of, I think, God's desire to say to us that uh, he desires and wants freedom for us in the midst of life. Uh, that breakthrough is not about seeing necessarily everything change because if everything changes today, the chances are in three months it will still be struggling in some way because life is struggle. And that's not a negative and that's not a cynical thing. It's just life. Life on earth is broken. Life on earth is challenging. And life on earth can be very scary and frightening and lonely. The thing that I want to talk about this morning is really relating to the birth of Jesus and his parents uh, because I think if one sort of goes slowly through what happens with Jesus, you see the truth of what I'm talking about, which is so much is ordinary. And out of that ordinary, it becomes an extraordinary. And so my prayer for myself, as it is for you, is that breakthrough would mean I would learn how to live with extreme confidence day by day, no matter what. I would learn how to know peace and joy and life in the midst of all of the other stuff. And that would be my assurance because Jesus is with me. And, and you know, when we, when we look at this Luke chapter 2, where Jesus, uh, the, the, the shepherds have just gone back to their, their field, which I'm reading from verse, uh, Luke 2, chapter two, verse 20, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And then on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. Mary and Joseph were, I I wish we could just have them here, you know, beam them up. They were teenagers probably. Maybe Joseph was a bit older. But they were young and they were overwhelmed by what had happened. They had very little understanding of the fullness or the extent of what had taken place. And I'm just going to go backwards and forwards as we go into this new year of how that applies to us. Because in, in many ways... I've always wanted God to give me a blueprint. I've wanted to know what's happening. I want him to tell me what's going on. How many of you want that? You want to know. It's not going to happen. So I just want to set you free right now. It's not going to (laughs) happen. The reason it's not going to happen is because Jesus has said, just follow me and trust me day by day because today is going to be sufficient. And so you you, you can go through the scriptures uh, from Moses right through to Mary and Joseph and you you find this frustration that God actually reveals things as they're walking in faith. And he doesn't reveal a whole long way down the... You know, when when Gabriel appears to to Mary and says, you're going to have a child, and she says, how is this going to be? And he says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And he he doesn't tell her anything else. And by the way, this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen. He just starts there, and she walks with that. And one of the things we can learn is how to trust God with our future and walk through today in faith. So Mary and Joseph are these overwhelmed teenagers plus early twenties maybe and uh, they're going to have to walk by faith with this revelation of what they're carrying and what God has done. What's interesting is, is that they go through the whole ritual and tradition of the Jewish faith. You would think well, I'm carrying the God's son. We don't, it doesn't apply to us. I don't need to go. We don't need to go and get circumcised because it's got nothing to, you know, this is God's son. And wh- what I want to advocate so strongly is that you have this, these teenagers who 
carrying this child and they have probably precious little idea how this is all going to unfold. And you have this ancient tradition of the Jewish faith and they keep on coming back to it. I just read briefly a, a book by George Barner who, who, who does a lot of um, research and a lot of stuff about the church and he's talking about the church in the future and he calls these people revolutionaries. He says the church is going to look very different and some people will be part of a church and some people won't be part of a church. And, and deep in my gut, I keep on going, the church is God's baby, bride. And the church is a community of people who gather together. And there's an hugely important value to gathering together. Because when we don't gather together, we tend to start speaking to ourselves about things we'd like to hear or like to happen. And we start becoming ever so misguided very quickly. Either concluding wrong things about God or concluding wrong things about ourselves. We need one another. And it's very significant to me that when God spoke to Mary and Joseph, um, he brought them back into community all the time. There was no, actually no thought, because they, they're not like our cultures where we're so individualistic. There was no thought of them just going off and doing their own thing. And I want to encourage us to not undervalue this whole part of being a community church, in season and out of season. Uh, rather like Anita said, we need one another for hugs. We need one another for truth to be spoken. We need one another for correction. We need w one another for encouragement. Sometimes we need one another because we need to be there to carry somebody else. It's not about us. And at other times we need to be there so somebody can carry us because it's all about our weakness. And so th these two went to, uh, w went to have Jesus circumcised. Why? Because Jesus had come into this world to be part of the world in which we live. He identified completely uh, with this world and with the people of the Jewish faith. And so the circumcision was part of the promise of Abraham in Genesis 17 that you will be my people and you will people who, who go around the world and God enters into that covenant into that promise see God isn't casual he's very intentional so everything he does has a meaning it's one of the reasons why you know so in, in the Jewish faith and in the tradition of Mary and Joseph they would they would have some idea of what the history was and what the, the rituals were the rituals were there for a reason it's rather like the church worldwide celebrates Christmas and you celebrate Pentecost and then you celebrate Easter and then you celebrate, uh, you know, there, there's different seasons because it helps us to keep track and in balance. Otherwise, it's very easy. I'm just actually reading a book that David gave me uh, for Christmas by, by Bonhoeffer. And Bonhoeffer was living in Germany before Hitler really came up and then Hitler came into power because the Germans were wanting a leader and he talks about the church and, the, and, and how empty the church was and how traditional, well, just the church was nothing. Wh where was I going with that? Maybe it'll come back to me. But this, this, this idea of us needing to walk together and actually Bonhoeffer grew up in a family where they, didn't, th they weren't part of a church and then he actually went to America and came back and had a real vision for the confessing church which was the church of believers gathered together. In the end, he died for that because of confronting the evil of, of Nazism. The circumcision was Jesus going through a ritual where blood was sacrificed. Blood is everywhere, by the way. Blood means life. 
And so for God, the judgment on humanity was if you sin, you will die. You will be separated and you will die. So circumcision was part of the sacrifice of blood being shed for forgiveness of sin and also as a sign of a covenant where God said, you will be my people. And he still holds that covenant. You will be my people. And so Jesus entered into that and he was circumcised to identify with the Jewish and with the covenant of Abraham. And it's a circumcision that says that through your offspring all nations will be blessed. He was entering into that covenant. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it is written to the law in the law of the Lord. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. So Mary went to the church, uh, to the temple with Joseph uh, to, for purification. When a woman gave birth to a son, she was unclean for 40 days. If she gave birth to a, woman, a, a girl, she was unclean for 60 days. And part of the, that uncleanness was they went for the circumcision and then it was 34, 33 days after that she went for purification where they offered a sacrifice and the, off- the sacrifice was a burnt offering and one for cleansing. Again, how could Mary, the mother of Jesus, who is the Son of God, need purification? But again, part of the walking on earth as a human being with God caused her to stay close to the traditions of her church, of her, of her tribe, as it were. I think, to me, that's becoming more and more important. Just, again, we need, we need these checks all the time even sometimes if they don't make sense. And so, Je- so Mary goes through this ritual of cleansing and she offers and she takes two, do- to two pairs of doves with her because she's not rich enough to have a lamb. And so provision was made in the law in Leviticus that if you didn't have enough money, you, would, you can give two turtle doves. So the son of God's mother couldn't afford the sacrifice of anything more than two turtle doves. And they go and they have this uh, ceremony to purify her. And then after that, the other tradition is that they go into the temple and present the child to uh, the priest. And that's where she goes before Simeon. And Simeon, who was righteous and devout, he was waiting for the consolation of Israel and, of the, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to uh, do for him what the custom of the law required, Simon took him in his arms. There are a lot of uh, themes woven into this reading. One is, is, is the tradition of the Jewish culture and the religious culture. The, the other, I think, is actually the young and old. Uh, the, the whole way that the old can bless the young. The other is... Um, the Holy Spirit says you will not die until this has happened. And one can ponder, well, how long was that? I wonder how long it took. I wonder when Simeon got that promise. Again, an encouragement to us, because again, we live in a, such a quick culture, an instant culture, and you go, what, ap- what if the word of the Lord over your life is going to take 20 years to come about? Are you okay with that? There's a passage that's often quoted, you know, um, you've probably got it on your wall, for I know the plans that I have for you to prosper you. It was given to the Jews when they were in captivity. It took 70 years to come about. They don't usually put the 70 years part in. 
I'm saying that to encourage us. Don't give up because it's not happened yet. And so Simeon was faithfully serving in this temple and then this baby is delivered to him by the parents and he, he holds it and says, Sovereign Lord, you have, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The Holy Spirit was on Simeon and released a word over that baby that uh, Simeon spoke and has been captured for all times in these scripture. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And that word was said for them as well. What happened with Mary and Joseph? They went to fulfill what they needed to fulfill as ordinary parents of a Jewish boy. By the way, this could also be (laughs) a controversial teaching on baptism. I've read commentaries both sides. Some say, well, this was a dedication. And why why I'm passionate about this is because nobody asked Jesus if he wanted to be circumcised. And nobody asked if he should be dedicated in the temple. He He was part of the tribe of Israel and he was part of Mary and Joseph's covenant because he was born to them. And that's why in this church we will baptize babies that are have a, a, a believing parent. Because it's a symbol of God's initiative, God's goodness, God's kindness, God's creativity, God's faithfulness. So I, I don't understand why my child has to wait until it can decide for itself about God when everything else I'm deciding for. At some point he's got to make it his own, but that's the same for everything. So to me... Um, I've never been able to understand how individual decisions come out of the culture that the Jews were raised in, which was totally family and totally tribe and totally unit, uh, corporate unit. And I believe we need to contend for that, actually, in our culture and our time, that, that whole corporate unit, that God loves the church and he calls us to be part of a church. He calls us to be part of a body. Because in that body, what happens is... Mary and Joseph come to this temple and they go through that ritual and they still, they'd have no idea that they're going to meet Simeon. They have no idea that God's actually going to encourage them through a prophetic word, through Simeon and Anna. You see, they're being obedient and in their obedience, suddenly blessing is released. Sometimes we go, well, there's nothing in it for me, so I won't be part of it. How do you know? And that's why there's also this, what, what we're trying to nurture here is everybody gets to participate. How do you know that God won't give you a word for somebody today that will bless them and encourage them and maybe change them forever? How do you know it won't happen? We need one another. And so Simeon, is in the, he's prompted by the Holy Spirit. He goes into the court. And what does the prompting like of the Holy Spirit feel like to Simeon? It might be just, I better go over there. And when he's going over there, suddenly this couple come into focus for him. And as they come into focus and they give him their baby, the word of God comes to him. He doesn't know it's going to happen. He knows a broad promise, but maybe not a specific. What am I trying to say? I'm just trying to say that you walk day by day, moment by moment, faithfully with God. You never know when those suddenlies happen or when those revelations happen. Do the things you know what to do And the the extraordinary things will come. Keep looking for extraordinary things before you do anything. You'll never do anything. Does that make sense? It's the same. You read Joshua chapter 1. Be strong and of good courage. Every step you take, I'll be with you. Know the Bible. 
One of the things that was important for Mary and Joseph and one of the things that is important for Simeon and is important for us is reading the scriptures gives us a sense of history. So it gives us a sense of who God is and how he, is, how he has communicated himself through the years, through the ages. If we don't have that as a foundation, we will live under perf- you know, feelings. Between the end of the Old Testament and when John the Baptist came and Jesus, when Jesus was born, there was 400 years of silence. I bet you there were lots of prophetic words, but none from God. It's easy to give prophetic words that come out of the emotion and out of the flesh. And so there's an element of I need to know how my words line up with the scriptures, who the character of God is. It's got to be tested. So whenever we offer a prophetic word, it's always got to be weighed and tested. Is this consistent with scripture? Is this in the spirit of Jesus? And so Simeon, holding that child, gave to Mary and Joseph an affirmation because the chances are they every now and again must have looked at each other and said, is this real? I mean, were we dreaming? Was there really an angel? Mary, are you sure you didn't lie to me? Who's the father? I wonder if they had those conversations. No, Joseph, I promise you. And God knows the vulnerability and the tenderness of people and he wants to affirm things because as he calls them, he also equips. And he equips by providing affirmation from time to time. Because what was going to happen to Mary and Joseph? What is, what is, do you want a prophetic word? How would you like the one that Simeon then gave to Mary? He blessed the child. This child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Jesus was going to speak to the hearts of men. He was going to say to Pharisees, you're like whited sepulchers. The word that he was to bring was uh, blind man see you're like white sepulchres. Do they forgive you? Do they condemn you? Neither do I. It was a double-edged sword. The one was a challenge and the other was a blessing. Some people loved him, some people hated him. He revealed the power and the majesty of God and he also revealed the, the mercy and the grace of God. The humility of God that eventually led him to this, the cross. And so Simeon's word to, to, to Mary she had already heard she was blessed among women because Gabriel had told him that, her that. Now she hears, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. That the price of this child that you carry in your own spirit is going to be piercing. Uh, he, d- he didn't say in 33 years' time that this kid is going to be crucified. He doesn't tell her that. He doesn't even tell her what's going to happen in a few weeks. He just says, with this blessing comes this piercing. And if Mary were here now, she probably would say, God prepared me to be able to hear both words. Because once I've tasted the will of God and I've heard the angel of God and I've, and I've tasted his presence, then if I hear that I have to suffer for it, I'm ready to suffer because there's no other thing I would rather do. I don't suffer in order to be accepted. I suffer because I have been accepted. I don't suffer to impress a God who needs to be impressed. I suffer because God causes me to lay down my life. And in fact, I would suffer more if I didn't lay down my life. It's just the process of love being worked out in a broken world. And so Mary and Joseph are encouraged, no doubt, by Simeon's word. And then 
There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. And she was very, very old. And she had lived with her husband seven years after marriage. And then was a widow until she was 84. And I'm always amazed by that. Why did you take my, my husband so soon and spend the rest of your life getting angry with God? And she just actually embraces it and says, I will serve the Lord in the temple. I mean, everywhere through these readings, there's this human suffering element and the faithfulness of God. Heaven comes later. Heaven is not on earth in the way of comfort. It's a mixed blessing. And I believe our world is crying out for people who show hope when they would be hopeless in the same circumstance. And so Anna came to them and uh, she, had, she had worshipped and fasted and prayed. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel, of Jerusalem. We don't know what she said to them. And when Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee. In Matthew's Gospel, they went to Egypt because Herod had decreed, he had heard a rumor from the Magi, the, the, the visit, visitation of the, the kings or the Magi, and he had said, if you find this boy, let me know because the rumor is he's, king of, he's, he's claiming to be king. Herod was terrified by that. And so br being brutal... He tries to trick the Magi and the Magi realize that they're being tricked so they, they visit Jesus and they go home another way. And then he decrees every, every child under the age of two is to be killed. There's a lot of blood around the birth of Jesus. And as I've said before, imagine being somebody who sees Mary with her baby and your baby's been killed because of the birth of Jesus. Strange stuff, mystery stuff, violent stuff, heavy stuff. But God... And so an angel appears to them and they actually flee to Egypt for a number of years until Herod, Herod dies and then they're called back to Nazareth. See, my hope in all of this and why I go through it like this is because life seems to me to be tough and unpredictable and cruel and people are at the, you know, John the Baptist gets beheaded because Herod's daughter wants to have a, his head on a platter. It's so meaningless. And so at some point, I stop asking God to give me exclamations, explanations. And I say, Jesus, thank you that you're present here now for whatever it is I'm involved in. And as we go into the new year, I encourage you, as we saw in that little video, uh, you know, God wants us to learn to let go and say, God, you be God. So what if God says to you this morning, I'm with you. I'm with you as much as I was with Mary and Joseph. I love you just as much as I love them. I don't want you to look at your circumstances and think that they reflect how I value you. I don't want you to look at any part of your life around you, your children, your spouse, your history, your and, and, and evaluate your worth on that. You are valuable because you are my child. And you go, but God, and he goes, yeah, the but God is there but I'm asking you just to learn how to trust me with your life. I'm asking you to learn how to walk with me day by day without understanding. I'm asking you to pay attention to the things you know what to do. For instance, as Mary and Joseph, they went to the temple and their practice would have been to go to the synagogue. Why not this year actually you know what to do? Be part of this community in season and out of season. Period. Not just because of what you can get, but what you can give. I have nothing to give. You'll be surprised. Everyone has something to give. 
Some of those powerful testimonies are the most stuttering and awkward. Some of those moving declarations of who God is comes through the most humble of circumstances. So if you do what you know to be true, the other things will follow. But if you wait for the miraculous and an angel to appear by your bed, good luck. And the other thing you need to stop doing, we need to stop doing, is stop saying, well, this is who I am. Anybody say that? Well, this is who I am. You just don't understand. This is who I am. Said, no, this is who you are as far as you know. I'm going to do a personality exercise with David's group in Nanaimo on Tuesday evening, and we're going to look at this and unfold it because it's fun to do. But who we are doesn't mean it's all of who we are becoming. And God wants you to see yourself as powerful. He wants you to see yourself as someone with a contribution to make. He wants you to see yourself as somebody who has value. You are amazing in his eyes. How do we land this for New Year? I'm deliberately speaking about the sacrifices and the blood and them going up to the temple and them offering sacrifices and Mary and Joseph having two turtle doves because they were too poor to make a sacrifice of a lamb. And you've probably connected the fact that the turtle does with a sacrifice for the one who would be the lamb who would be slaughtered. But what if, and this is the beginning, this is like a hinge in history, what we're talking about here today. Because God actually, would, we, we read about the Holy Spirit resting upon Simeon and Simeon giving a word. But Jesus, the lamb of God, was going to go to the cross. God, your father, had a lamb for you to be reconciled to him. You were mo worth more and he was richer. He gave you a lamb to sacrifice for your life, not turtle doves. Turtle doves weren't enough. His son, a lamb, was given for you. His blood was shed for you. And when his blood was shed, the veil over the Holy of Holies was split and he said, you don't have to go to the temple anymore. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And by his blood, you have access into the throne room of the, the, the King of Kings. By his blood shed, you don't need to have circumcision. You don't need to go through a whole lot of rituals because God sent his son who made a way so that everyone who desires can come before him and become reconciled to him. And the Holy Spirit doesn't rest upon individuals anymore like they did with Simeon. The Holy Spirit is poured out on all flesh. And Jesus, John, you know, after reflecting a long time, wrote this. We read it on Christmas Day in John chapter 1. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Listen to this. Children born not of natural descent, nor of husbands of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. So God has actually provided everything required for us to be with him and for him to be within us. Hebrews 10.19 says, that Now we have confidence to enter the most holy place, the presence of God, by a new and living way, which is the sacrifice of Jesus. This new year, the question to ask is, Lord, how can I enter into all that you have for me? as opposed to, will you do this and do this and do this and help me here and help me there and get rid of them and help me there and do this and do that. 
what would it be like to change the way we pray from a list of requirements we give to God to rather receive, saying, Father, what have you won for me and what have you opened up for me in Jesus because of the cross that I haven't actually accessed or received yet? How do you want to, as Graham Cook says, how do you want to be something for me today that you couldn't be for me at any other time? What would it be like for you to be able to say, Jesus, I, I stand before you and I give you everything I know how to give you. And as soon as you do that, the things that you want to keep to yourself, he will raise that up to you and say, well, what about that? And you go, well, I thought you trusted me. I thought I'm Lord. I thought you loved to worship. Yes or no? And if you say no, he still loves you. He just goes, well, do you want me to give you the faith to believe for that one day? Just remember that Jesus went to the cross and it was everything. So you because of what Jesus has done on the cross, become the temple. And you become, because of his blood sacrifice, reconciled to him. And that is all so that he can actually live in you and through you in extraordinary ways. So that you can offer your body as a living sacrifice. Paul says in Corinthians. Let's stand. The key to this new year is us being offering ourselves as a living sacrifice which means entrusting ourselves to him. Because if Jesus has done everything by his blood to forgive us, then there's no, nothing that from our end that he's saying that cannot be forgiven. Because everything we have failed in, he has covered with his blood. And so he says, you are the temple of my spirit. When we say to God, I want to be a living sacrifice, I want to live for you in 2017, he doesn't look at us and go, oh boy, you're not going to even last a week. He looks at us and says, that's great. Let's, let's, let's work it out together. I'll teach you how to let me do work with you in season and out of season. He's not relying on you. He's relying on him in you. He doesn't say, you've got to do it in your own strength. He says, I'm so glad that you're giving me opportunity to work in you and give you my strength. So I want to invite you this morning as we finish here on New Year, you know, if you want to say, Lord, I just want to declare again that I want to be a living sacrifice to you as much as I am able, and I, and I want you this year to teach me how to walk in a yielded way to you, and I want to learn how to be interdependent, I want to learn how to continue to grow with my brothers and sisters so that I can let them help me and I can also help them. If you want to make a declaration of that and say, Jesus, that's what I want for me, you can come up to the front because that's what I'm going to do. And I just want to, I think it's just good for us to do things that are more than just sitting in our chairs. So it's an invitation. If you're weak, if you're struggling, then God's saying, I'm the one for you. Um, part of coming up to the front is also about humility. It's actually us being unashamed about declaring that we need help or we actually are making a decision. I'm not trying to manipulate you at all. Honestly, I'm, I'm lo way beyond that. I just think sometimes these things have meaning. And for some reason, God blesses it. It's just like Mary and Joseph going to the temple. So, Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your blood. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. You certainly don't have to have everything together to be here. Talk to him about what you're wanting to give him. Just ask you, Holy Spirit, right now to, to have a conversation with each of us.
He's reassuring us, saying, don't be afraid. I love you more than you've been loved by anybody in your life. Like, I really get you. I'm not disappointed in you. And even though you want to give up on yourself, I'm not giving up on you. I'm never going to give up on you. And if you walk by faith day by day, I will provide Simeons and Annas to speak to you, to encourage you. And Father, I pray over the older people here that you release your spirit so that you can also speak through them like Simeon and Anna to the younger generation. Pray for the younger generation, for your blessing to be upon them, your anointing to be upon them. Come Holy Spirit, fill each person here with your presence. Well, the thing that Mary and Joseph had was a sense of calling. They had a sense of your hand upon them, even in the times when they were afraid and they had to flee to, to, to Egypt. Father, speak against fear and discouragement in the name of Jesus. If there's anything that's causing you to feel overwhelmed, to feel like this is too much for me, just give it to Jesus. And Father, I pray that you just pour out your grace, that those things that we're afraid of will shrink and not hold the same terror anymore. That faith will rise up in the name of Jesus. That you are sufficient. Live 2017 from a place where you are adored and you belong. The price has been prayed, paid. The sacrifice has been made. The blood has been shed for you. That God's value upon you is that the lamb has been slain for you. It's not a turtle dove. It's a lamb. His son. That's how precious you are. And we're standing here because saying, Lord, why would you do that for us? He says, so that I can live through you and you can come alive and a sword will pierce your heart where there's disappointment, where there's discouragement. Father, I pray protection over my brothers and sisters. I pray protection in the name of Jesus. That when a sword will pierce your heart as it will, you will still know the love and the favor of God and the presence of God your Father. What do you want him to do in you this year? Talk to him about that. Don't talk to him about how he can change everybody else so that your life can be easier. What, is you, what, do, you, what do you want in you? What quality, what character, what, what gift of the Spirit would you like in terms of who you are as a person that you would love to be more of? And I just bless you over that. Just talk to him about that now. Receive the Holy Spirit for that. The best way to overcome things that you're struggling with is not to look at the thing you're struggling with, is to go to the opposite and look for more of that. So Father, I just speak release in the name of Jesus. Blessing and release in the name of Jesus. There's some who have very little faith. And Father, I just speak blessing over faith. Let faith rise up. Faith rise up in your goodness and your grace. There's some who don't even love themselves very much. You just keep disappointing yourself. And Jesus says, my love is sufficient for you, as is my grace. Father, I pray that love for self will rise up in a healthy way. Because Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. You are deeply loved.